You guys ready to do this? Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, fans around the world. We welcome you to this historic event. Historic because we've seen boys become men, men become leaders, and leaders become legends. I'll be honest, I don't even have an introduction planned. And I'll tell you why. Because I'm mad. Oh, uh-oh. I am mad about the Look AFL out. and what some of the people in the AFL are doing. So here's what I'm going to do. My name is Chris Bowen, six-time Don Valley Badminton champion. Your name is Tim Bahaja, Bob Hawke's oldest son. Oldest and favourite. Yes. Uh, how many children does he have? Uh, more than one. Yeah. Less than ten. And this is completely off topic, but I didn't realize that Bob Hawke uh, was Maltese and he had a Maltese passport because I'm pretty sure you had to relinquish that to be in politics in Australia. Uh, no, that's um, one of those stories that just went, swept right under the carpet. So Wonderful. We'll sweep that under the rug and we'll get straight into it. Um, first off, mate, how are you? Welcome. I'm well, thank you. Thanks for having me. How are you doing? Uh, sensational. You, are, you, you look fired up. You look, dare I say it, angry. You've got something... On your chest. Let's get it off there. I'm like everyone. I'm not happy with Brad Scott. I'm not even going to sell Brad Scott. That's how mad I am. Gee whiz. Uh, like everyone, this whole um, dissent rule is really irking me. And I, I didn't want to do this because I think it's a. I don't think it's a great thing to really touch on. But I think it's important that we do touch on it briefly because. This week was this weekend was a little bit of a shit show, and I normally mm. like shit shows, but this was of the unenjoyable, runny type of shit. So show. you're talking about the Anzac Round? I'm talking about the Anzac Round where Portland registered their first win of the season. Congratulations! Thank um, you very much. Yeah, it's been an interesting one. The descent rule. Um, and by the way, when Chris just did that whole opening with his arms raised <laughs> by his side, clear fifty meter. But anyway, we'll move yeah. on. Then I put them in the pockets. Yeah, he knew. He's, already, because, he's been trained already. Yeah, because like most of the players are learning that the hands have to go into the pockets. So yep. I don't know if you had a thought on it before I just probably say something that might ruin my career. Um, yeah, look, I just think like with anything in life, whenever there's a little bit of um, tension, friction, anger, frustration, it usually comes down to a lack of communication. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what's happened in this case. I reckon the reasons why weren't clearly communicated with the fans in the media, maybe maybe to the media and the media haven't relayed that on properly, I'm not too sure, but I just think overall the, the communication as to why they're doing this was missed and that... So if you don't know, then clearly straight away you're going to get frustrated. Why Why is this happening? Why are they giving 50-metre penalties away? And I just think the whole clarity and the inconsistency of... like The umpire's job's hard enough as it is. And now all of a sudden it's like they have to make a, a, a call on... There's so much grey area and they're making another call on another grey area. So I just think the lack or the communication skills could have been better and that's what led to a lot of the frustration. Yes, and I want to preface this by saying that I am uh, pro umpires yep. uh, at the junior level, AFL level. Uh, I think, gra- level. yeah, grassroots level is 
so precarious. We need to look after it. We need to encourage people to do it. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, I appreciate that and I understand that's why they're doing it. But the punishment doesn't fit the crime. Like, let's just let's play two scenarios here, mm-hmm. right? You've taken a mark. I've come through. Three seconds later, yep. I've absolutely chopped your legs out from underneath you. Yep. I've torn your ACL. Yep. Um, and it's a 50-meter penalty. Yep. I'm also reported. Yep. Whatever. I'm happy with what I've done to you. I've still kicked the goal, but that's fine. Yeah. You still kicked the goal, but I'm. Ha- but it's a 50-meter penalty. Yep, fair. You take a mark. I'm not happy that you pushed me in the back. I put my hand up slightly and don't even remonstrate in an aggressive manner. Yep. And it's 50 meters. Yep. That's where it loses me. It loses me in two other spots. It loses me that it's Brad Scott. <laughs> one of the biggest um, sooks the game has seen, a man who made the most appearances with his brother to the to the ambulance. <laughs> and the last part that loses me is like a broader thing where I don't know any sports in the world where they have this kind of like rule of the week kind of thing like the AFL consistently yeah. does. Like the AFL will crack down on certain things mid-season, like how a rule's interpreted. Yeah, it's the interpretation it's- of those rules that change multiple times. It's, it's very frustrating, especially at the start of the season. They seem to have it right. The, the tackling rule mm. was spot on in the first round, and then slowly it starts drifting back to what it used to be, and then when the finals start, it'll be exactly how it was in round one. Mm. Put your house on it. Yeah, no, 100%. And that's that's really what gets me with the AFL. I love footy so much, like everyone here, um, not just in this um, podcast studio specifically, but, you know, in Victoria. Can't yep. say too much for New South Wales or Queensland, but I love the AFL so much. I love where the game is at, and I'm not not trying to be find something negative about it, but the Daniel McKenzie one from St Kilda, mm. it really irked a lot of people, and me specifically, like, that ball, in my opinion, hit the ground. Yeah, and that's all he was trying to communicate. And that's what it's he was ground, trying to the ground, communicate. Yeah. So the fact that that's a 50-meter penalty, that leads to a goal that really just just doesn't sit well with me. And yeah, I think they clearly got it wrong there. Mm-hmm. And I think that did probably cause them to straighten up a bit too, to be honest. 100%. And I don't think – do you think player descent was, was rampant? Do you think it was a massive issue? It wasn't something I noticed, but having said that, now I am now noticing the lack of dissent. Or mm. if it's just dissent, I'm lacking. I'm, I'm noticing the lack of arms up, arguing. It's just a lot of sort of yep, copying it on the chin and moving on. And it does, and the play does move on a little bit quicker, and it's probably less, a little less messier. So, sure, but it wasn't something front of mind going into the season. Yeah, I guess a lot of people will probably disagree with me here, um, and that's fine. I've, people have been disagreeing with me 30, for 32 years. Mm-hmm. Why would it stop now? So it just irks me on the same weekend where round where we're sort of looking at Jack Ginevan and going beautiful, like, beautiful man. Yeah. Like how good is this that we've got this player who's, you know, showing some personality and he's yeah. just a little bit, he's not your cookie cut no. AFL player who's going to just give you the four walls cliches and he's a little bit different. Yeah. We're kind of penalizing players for being, uh, emotional, we're penalising them for showing, I guess, passion. If they step over, 100%. Yeah, that's but right. But this is not – a lot of these are not demonstrative. No. So I hate it. 
Uh, I need something to hate at least once a week. Well, the thing we need to be careful of is that that the next step's not like in the NBA. They have the taunting rule, no taunting rule. So if you dunk on someone, you can't turn to your opponent and give it to them. Mm. It's the same as college football. You can't yeah, celebrate. So that's, so that's touchdowns. Yeah, let's not get to that. No. The last thing we want is uh, Ginevan kicking a, a ripper goal. Turning to the crowd, telling him to shut up, telling to, turning to the opponent, giving it to him, and then all of a sudden it's a free kick against. If it gets to that, that's when we've got some big issues. Yeah, no, we do. Look, it's bad to start. Start well, on such right. a but negative you, note. But you, you, you're fired up, you're hot, and um, it looks like you've simmered down already, which is great. I have. I've relaxed a lot. Yeah, look at you. Um, I'm not sure if it's the... Uh, Actually, I'm going to beep that out. No free ads for anyone, actually, on this podcast until we do get a sponsor on board. So, um, yeah, I've had a Luke beverage to mm-hmm. kind of calm the nerves down, and I'm feeling great. So, and the eight fellium. Yeah, I'm. I'm glad we got that. I'm glad we got through that. Uh, and yeah, I'm glad I've said my piece. I'm sure Brad Scott right now is absolutely. Yeah. So now he's fuming. He's. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but. Happy to move on from here. Yeah, Obviously, we joked about it last week. I think the headlines that we've missed that people are no longer talking about is one of the quirks of this show, which I yeah yeah yeah, which I quite yeah. like. So, so have you been living under a rock? News. <laughs> yes, yes, we have. Um, but it's our spin on it too, which is unique, and it's what you know, it's what mm, the people want. I think. Yeah, and speaking of unique, I think this episode, what we're going to try and do is steal as much stuff that could get us sued for defamation if we made money off this as okay. possible. Yep. And so I've actually got a intro song for this, which I'll play right now. Ten's Late Night News with Sandra Sun. We begin with the signing of... Keeping you informed, keeping you involved, keeping you in touch. Australia's most established late news service, the Late Night News with Sandra Sully. Weeknights on 10. I hope we get sued for that. Wow. Because that's absolutely sensational. Um... First headline, uh, Charles Leclerc wins the Australian Grand Prix, which had 420,000 people attend, including myself. How was it? Because I, I didn't go, but I had a friend who attended and said the line for beverages slash food slash toilets was outrageous and just ridiculous. Did they underprepare? So full disclosure, when the cars came past, I cried. I had okay. a little bit of a tear. I love Formula One, and I've been devastated to not be able to go for the last few years. I went Friday, so you had the two practice sessions. The line for the line for beers during that mm-hmm. was like unattainable. Uh, I didn't even think about it. Yeah, I uh, went with my much better half, Caitlin. We had an absolute sensational day. Uh, the Rubens and G Flip who I didn't really know beforehand, played uh, on this massive like festival set-up concert stage. And yep. there was plenty of like absolute like shenanigans going on there. Excellent. And honestly, mate, one of the best days I think I've had in the last three years. Like, awesome. The, I got really, really depressed after the race, though, because it was the, I, it kind of feels like for, when you're a kid, when Christmas, when like mm. Boxing Day was over or yeah. like that, you know, you were like, it's the longest now time what? till Christmas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I felt like that. I felt so depressed on the Sunday after the race because it was such a great weekend and I loved it. But 
Um, absolutely amazing to get back. Good to see Ferrari win as well. Um, yep. I got to see I got to see a couple of uh, Formula One drivers up in the close. Um, so yeah, fanboy moment. Absolutely had a blast, and I can't wait for next year. Excellent. Well, I just hope the uh, catering is improved then. Uh, yes, because I was very thirsty during the day. Mm. Mm-hmm. Very thirsty. All right. So next one. Gil McLaughlin announces he will stand down at the end of the AFL season. He's got a few things he wants to tick off, uh, namely the broadcast rights and the player payment, uh, both AFL and AFLW, um, which are two massive items, and they're both connected, obviously. The broadcast rights uh, are directly connected to player payment. So um, he's been in the AFL for 20-plus years, and he's been CEO for nine seasons, and I think, um, as you might have mentioned last episode, you know, COVID has been very trying for a lot of people in the sporting industry. So not a surprise. Um, gets to spend more time with his family. What do you think of his legacy? I'll be honest. I didn't do a ton of research on this. I did I did do a little bit of a sort of sit back and to think well, about... What, what's your gut feel? What's your first impression? I'm pretty happy with the job he's done. Yeah. Um, now, I I say that because... I think the pay the pay deals for both AFL men's and AFL women's is a huge part of that. Uh, I believe at the moment it's around 27% that the players share is. So if you compare that to most sort of professional sports in the big leagues in America, it's sort of around that 40%. So that's a huge, huge number. Now the AFL does put some of that into grassroots themselves where the other sports don't. So I understand that. Mm. Um, I mean, first things for me, I would love to see the AFLW players get rewarded. I think it's an amazing product. Women's footy is coming so far. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think that's part of his legacy for sure. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. It's a part of his legacy. And that's why I don't look at him the same way I looked at Andrew Demetrio. Uh, so, yeah, I think overall it's it's very obvious that the last couple of years have really been wearing on him. And you can just yeah. see that like physically. And that's not a criticism of him. He's, no, I think it's just, uh, yeah, I think that's the nature of what, what he's had to go through last 100%. few seasons. 100%. And I, I, it, it's, such a diff, it's been such a difficult time for any CEO or anyone in charge of any kind of sport. I think, I think he's managed to do a pretty, pretty good fucking job, to be honest. Uh, yeah. Cons- all things considering. So. No, I agree. I absolutely agree. And who replaces him is fascinating to me. Obviously, uh, Benny Gale... Uh, is one of the favourites. Interesting, he just signed a, or he recently signed a three-year deal to stay at Richmond. So whether you do that knowing the CEO job of the AFL is coming up soon, whether he's got a get-out clause, not too sure, but that was an interesting uh, little fact. Would you take that job if you were him? If I was Benny Go, yes. I think he's achieved everything he wanted to achieve at Richmond. Uh, he set out with that ambitious plan and they nailed it. Um, and But also, like the AFL do like, uh, to promote from within. And that's what they did with um, Gil. That's what they did uh, previously as well. So um, whether it's Travis Old, who's a great operator, uh, Andrew Dillon, who's also a very good operator, um, also a left-hander. Uh, don't ask me how I know that, but I do. Um, I mean, you knew where uh, Buddy Franklin's father was born. Yeah. I mean, he happened to be born in the same place we were born, but yeah. you still knew that. I knew, I just know things. Um, and Kylie Rogers, ex Channel Ten, um, who's at the AFL now as well, who's who's also they've got big raps on. So I think um, it's probably a, a race race in four 
with maybe one outsider they'll look at as well. So maybe a race in five. But I think those four are probably the, the four you're looking at. Who's the guy who's doing the TV rights? Because that's – I completely blanked on his name. I was reading up about it the other day. But I, I think he's my pick. I think he'll sign – He'll he's obviously leading that. I think he's going to do – Well, Gil, Travis Old, Andrew Dillon – and one other went over to the States to speak to Amazon and YouTube um, and Paramount. I'm not sure who the other guy is. I don't think he's in the running. So it's out of, I think it's out of uh, Travis, Andrew, mm. Collie Rogers, who's the interim CEO while Gill's overseas. So, yeah, watch this space. Very much a watch this space. Uh, unfortunately, we had to sit through, or I had to sit through at least and watch this space. I had to watch Scotty Scheffler win the US Masters at Augusta National, uh, sadly beating Australian Cam Smith, who was second going into the final round. Uh, I know you're not a golf man like myself, but... I do know. Well, what do Cameron Smith and Amber Heard have in common? Oh, boy. Uh I'm going to try and tee this one up for you just by simply saying, what, Tim? What do they have in common? They both don't own green jackets. No, they both <laughs> shat the bed. <laughs> um, yeah, what's? I mean, he was in a great position, and he was in a great position last year too, if I'm not mistaken. Look, Cam Smith is a gamer, an absolute gamer, and all you need to know about him is he's, play, he's win at the players – the famous Island Hole, which is 16 or 17. It's one of them. Don't sue me if I get it wrong. Where he had a comfortable lead and all he needed to do was get it on the green. You know, the, So the Island Hole, if you're not familiar, surrounded by water, <laughs> which islands are. <laughs> which, <laughs> groundbreaking. The groundbreaking name, name kind of gives it away, but yeah. He fired it straight at the pin and an incredibly, incredibly ballsy shot. But that's the kind of player he is. So... Look, as someone who may or may not have done an Amber Heard in their life, I don't consider him is him shitting the bed. That's the type of player he is. He's he just gonna, leaves it all on the line. and He leaves yeah. it all on, the, all on the line, and Augusta National is one of those courses which can really break you mentally and physically, and if you're a centimetre short or a centimetre wide, left, right, whatever you want to name it, you can get punished. And unfortunately, that's what, that's what happened. Scotty Scheffler's been the best player in the world for... The last month and is the number one ranked player. Scheffler's mum. Yep. He she's got it going on and so does Scotty. <laughs> uh he wins his first green jacket. Hopefully uh for Cam that uh, he uh can go a couple better next year. Absolutely, absolutely. Um so Dan Andrews, Premier of Victoria, announces that the twenty twenty six Commonwealth Games will be based in regional Victoria and not Melbourne. Um so a few things with this to start off with. One, there's no other competing city going for the Commonwealth Games. Correct. How far the mighty have fallen there? Because yeah. you know, you, I don't. Know if, you're probably a bit too young, but if you cast your mind back to 1990, Haley Lewis winning gold medal for Australia, the Commonwealth Games were absolutely pumping. Um, fast forward to 2026, and we're going to have lawn bowls in Shepparton. I'm aiming for the. I'm aiming to be in these Commonwealth Games, representing Australia in badminton. Okay, sure. I don't have another passport. I wish I could find some kind of heritage, which didn't have badminton, and I would 100% pay my way, like that uh, skier did, uh, who was just a mm. 
Yeah, I can't remember her name. She's not getting any. She's she's definitely not a sponsor, so she's not getting it. <laughs> getting any mention on this. My original thought was, fuck, I'm going to have to go to Leon Gatha to represent Australia in the Commonwealth Games. And then when I thought about it with an actual reasonable thought, and I just thought, how good is this? Like regional Australia, sorry, regional Victoria, and yeah. what they have gone through both before COVID with the bushfires and then obviously with COVID and people not being able to visit. Yeah. This is such a great reward. Look, people can say whatever they want about Commonwealth Games, whether it's not the Olympics or whatnot. This is the world's best athletes from some of the biggest countries. And you're going to be able to see the lawn bowls at Shepparton. You're going to be able to see the Taekwondo at Mount Martha. You're going to you know, be able to see all these things. Yeah, I think it's great. I'm not happy that I'm going to have to travel this far to, you know, in my jelly bean tracksuit. Just but. make sure you take 30-minute breaks and power naps. Um, look, I love it too. I actually think it's super smart. Like, I'm not a Dan Stan and, you know, politics, take it or leave it. Um, but I think it's a super smart move. It pumps money back into the economy. Um, as you said, they've been struggling. So that's super smart getting the tourism into those areas. And also by then, it, it also helps with, the, you know, they'll build rails and infrastructure to get people to these regional centres. So long-term thinking, it's it's a really good idea. So I'm all for it. Yeah, absolute home run. And speaking of home runs, another mm. great segue. Well done. Uh, Adelaide won their third AFLW title, uh, which is absolutely sensational. Uh, and Emily Bates won her first W award. Amazing to see Erin Phillips win her, I believe that was her third, or maybe yep. it was her second uh, premiership. I think uh, it would have been nice to see Daisy Pierce win. Obviously, she's an absolute icon and legend of, of the game. I would love to see the W Award be named after one of those two. Good call, bad call. Caro, fire that arrow if it's needed. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, oh, look, absolutely. They're both – I'm sure there's quite a few – people who'd be worthy of that award. But I think in terms of um, AFLW and setting it up and what they've done so far, I'd probably lean towards Erin Phillips just because of her I premiership success. Daisy Pierce is obviously a gun and she did a lot with um, Deb and Falcons prior to AFLW and, and and obviously she's got a legacy there. But I just – my gut, the gut tells me Erin Phillips mm-hmm. um, and that would be a worthy uh, worthy award I would have thought. Can't argue with that. Andrew Ronald McDonald, named Australian men's cricket head coach, which I think is not a surprise. I think he was the short-priced favourite to take over from Langer. I think he's very popular with the players. Um, he's got a history in um, all forms of the game, really. And, look, I wish him all the best. I don't think there's enough redhead coaches in sport. So when one does happen... Um, you know, they're rare as hen's teeth and we need to embrace them. A hundred percent. I will never get sick of seeing any Victorian represent Australia in any form. True. When it comes to cricket, we've been absolutely shafted for so long. Maybe it, maybe it will lead to more Victorians, which can only be a good thing. Having a Victorian in that spot is absolutely sensational and he does seem like such a players first kind of coach which is what you need to be in this yep, day and age. That's what the modern yeah, modern coach is all about relationships, all about empathy. So uh good luck to him. Yep. Uh Tyson Fury defeats Dylan White by knockout in front of 90,000 people at Wembley. Um 
I mentioned this last episode, how I love Tom Brady and the fact he's still playing because it means someone my age is still competitive at the highest level. And I love Tyson Fury being successful and a heavyweight champion of the world because it means someone with the same rig as me is successful at the highest level. So the longer he can continue with um, with the guts hanging out, just knocking out blokes, uh, the Gypsy King, I think is his nickname. Correct. Good on him. But what a man mountain. I can't get enough of this guy. Yeah. he. I said that uh, the most electric man that – you know, the bad boy of bowling was the most electric athlete in sports history. Yeah. Tyson Fury is number two on that list. Yeah. I, I absolutely love how he comes out on the thrones. Like, and my favorite part is just how he sings at the end of the fight. Yeah. Post fight singing. Like, he, what a, like, if you're going to pick someone to do karaoke with it, you know, his voice is amazing. Yeah. And you pro, I'm not sure. Yeah. I'm not going to go there. Um, no, we absolutely love his voice. We love his boxing ability. Do you prefer his voice over Guy Sebastian's? I've not forgiven Guy Sebastian. You know, you know, this is a way off, way off topic. I hate Keith Urban like an un, <laughs> an unhealthy. I like an I have like an unhealthy hatred. Why? I hate I hate like looking at him. Like every time okay. the voice ad comes on. Mm. It just does my head in, like seeing that stupid part with the tips. I love, see, I look, I love anyone who can contribute to rhyming slang. So pass us a Keith Urban. I refuse to say that. I say Keith Bourbon. <laughs> I make it more difficult to say Bourbon. Yeah. Just because I refuse to play uh, that look, game. His, his contribution to um, to society in regards to rhyming slang can't be overlooked. But look, sure. Each to their own. Yeah. It's, un, it's an unhealthy hatred at this point, but. It's probably you fight you fight up again. I shouldn't have. I know. I shouldn't I know. Have. <laughs> we'll um we'll save that for another day. Uh, the last one, and I'm going to apologise for the amount of butchering the names in this go. Alyssa Balsamo of the Trek Segafredo team was dif- disqualified in the Paris Rubelux women's race due to what was called a sticky water bottle. So, what sport is this? Sorry, this is seacling. Okay. Because I'm very passionate about me seacling. Okay. Now, if you're not sure, so what's what, a, what's a sticky water bottle, please? A sticky water bottle is so you know how you have the team cars, right? Yep. And they come by, they'll give you like a like an Adam's ale, or they'll give you a bottle of water, or whatever, and they'll give you I don't know some of that that gel, some ele- electrolytes. Yeah, electrolytes or whatever. Now, if you watch the video, which I have, she grabs the water bottle, and the water bottle, the, the two hands touch mm. and the water bottle remains in both hands for about 10 seconds. So she was disqualified because that's what's known as a toe. So she just had uh, a, right. a okay. puncture and basically it doesn't seem like a lot, but 10 seconds. Mm. I mean, yeah. 10 seconds, if, you're, if you've got a bike and then you've got a bike being pulled by a car, that seems like an advantage. I'm not a I'm not a cycling athlete, so someone who is who listens to this might have to let me know. Yeah, ten second time. dink is that's plenty of time. Yeah, so I thought that was incredibly interesting because she's one of the best cyclists in the world. Uh, her teammate did win, so it all was good for the Trek Sigafredo team. But um, Alyssa uh, disqualified and watch out for those sticky bottles. Uh, 
Very disappointing. Mm. Well, that pretty much wraps up our headlines. Most of that stuff happened a month ago anyway, so nothing groundbreaking there. But as we said, it's part of the charm. It is time now for everyone's favourite segment. I'm just assuming it's their favourite segment because no one told me they hated it. No one told me they liked it. It is the stock market. Absolutely love that. And hopefully that gets us sued because if that gets us sued, the defamation that, means, episode. that means some high level actors or directors are listening to this. So shout mm-hmm. out to them if they are. Uh, buying. Take it away, Tim. What is your first? My first one. And look, this is a ecological and environmental disaster that's happening before our very eyes. And it's happening in the world of the AFL. And specifically, it's happening in Geelong. And, in fact, I'm surprised Greenpeace haven't already set up camp at Cadinia Park Um, because every week thousands of litres of oil are being spilled onto the arms of Patrick Dangerfield and Tom Hawkins. And it is a disgrace and it needs to stop. And I don't know if you've seen it, but the, the shimmering arms on these guys, I don't know whether they're about to play a game of footy or star in a soft porn video. It's unbelievable. So... Um, I don't know. Did you ever used to oil up your arms when you played the played footy in uh, in the Diamond Valley League? No, mate. I just prayed to like survive. I used to play the ruck as like a six foot three, seventy kilo like bag of milk. Like <laughs> there's nothing that any oil would have done to my like disgustingly pasty figure. Like I had yeah. no tattoos then. I had a lot of hair. I had no real hopes. See, I, I tried it a few times and I was a bit like you, but I mean, I ended up looking like, you know when the newborn baby's born and they're covered in like, it's called vernix? It's that sort of cheesy white no substance. Well, no, this is not so much for personal experience. Is this a, are we buying or selling here? This is, well, stay with me. So yeah, when I, when, I, when I used to oil up the arms, I looked like a newborn baby with that protective coating all over. It was horrible. So I'm buying baby oil quite literally because they use so much of it but I'm selling the fact I'm selling the use of it I think I think it's a it's a myth you don't need to put on your arms it doesn't make you slippery to tackle you no. tackle around the waist I think it's just look at me head wobble icy pole peacock feathers out type stuff um, so selling the use of baby oil on the arms so you've so you've bought I'm buying the baby oil because it's getting used so much and then you're selling and then it. I'm selling the use of it I like that. So a bit of buying, a bit of selling. I just shoot horned it into the buying segment, to be honest. That's fine. Okay. I mean, there's absolutely no rules to this show. As I said, <laughs> no one let me know that they liked this. No one told me they hated it. Yeah, so fair. Yeah. If you can make it past urinal cakes being mentioned, then... Which set which set the talk back a lot. That got, that got quite a few calls on Finey's Final Siren. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. My first buying is Andrew Brayshaw. I love this kid. He is so good at football. Yep. I cannot get enough of him. I cannot get enough of Fremantle. I love him. I love Will Will Brody. I love 
I love Caleb Sarong, mm. Sarong, and not Sarite. They are playing an absolutely sensational brand of footy right now, but especially Brayshaw, I think he is the most underrated elite elite stars of the competition that if he played in Victoria, people would be talking about him the same way they talk about Sam Walsh, Patrick Cripps, Marcus Bontempelli. Pick, you your, s- pick your poison. Can you um, can you smell that? I can smell something. It smells like a brown low. It does smell like a brown low. Fremantle winning, Brayshaw dominating. It just whiffs like a brown mm-hmm. low. It stinks. It stinks of it. And if you <laughs> open up my phone, my Bet365 account... It stinks. It reeks. It's dripping <laughs> off the phone. So that's Good. my first one. I love uh, Brayshaw. He is. Uh, he's my. He's my man crush of of the of the month. I just love watching him play footy, and it's such so weird to say I love watching Fremantle play, but I legitimately like watching Fremantle play footy right now. So thank well, you. If I can do a sub buy off that, I think Justin Longmuir. Brilliant coach. Mm-hmm. I think he was a massive reason why Collingwood nearly got the flag in 2018. Super shrewd uh, appointment a few years ago by Freer, and it's starting to pay dividends. Yep. Love love me some Longmuir. Love me some Fremantle doctor. Um, hit him hard, hit him low. And it's also convenient that was your one prediction from the start of the year that you got right. Uh, but anyway, let's move on. Um, my, second, my second buying, uh, it's a little bit... Look, it's not sport, but it's the close to me. It's the closest thing to live sport you can get, and it definitely um, scratches an itch. And we, I don't think we're going to do another podcast until the next federal election. But I love the electronite coverage. I don't know why. It's not. I'm not a massive fan of politics or um, pie charts or data or percentages. But it's an absolute cockfest. <laughs> Sorry, a, it's a white privilege, <laughs> middle-aged cockfest. But I don't know. I just love sitting there on election night as a vote. So I'll probably join in about sort of five p.m. as the votes are starting to come in from around the country. I'll channel surf your ABCs, your nines, your your sevens, your tens. Just I don't know. I just love it. I just think it's the closest thing to a live sport coverage you can get. Um, and it's a and and you know it's a one night only. It's a one-night stand. After that, I couldn't give a fuck about politics again, but I really do enjoy it. And actually, the American election got me through. It was in between. It was after the AFL Grand Final, before cricket. Mm-hmm. It was just something to watch. But yeah, look, I'm buying election night coverage, and if, you, if you're not one to do it, give it a go. No. Grab a pizza, grab a six-pack, park yourself on the couch, and, and watch, and watch um, Eggs Over Easy Albanese take on ScoMo. Uh, yeah, there we go. I like that. My next one is in my humble opinion, and my girlfriend said yesterday, you don't have humble opinions. So that was a little bit of a clip of her just to let me know. Also also correct. Correct. Absolutely. Spot on. I'm buying the Melbourne Storm as the best professional sporting team in Australia in my lifetime. I don't know which team... Like, look, Brisbane wins three flags in a row. Hawthorne wins three flags in a row. Yep. The Melbourne Storm, for a lot, for such a long period of time under Craig Bellamy, mm. has been the best team in the NRL. Now, this is a league that doesn't have drafts. Yep. So you're reliant on your recruiters to find you these good young players. And a lot of them probably don't want to come to Melbourne. But what Craig Bellamy does is he finds blokes who literally have a job as a garbage man and turns them into Australian players. Yep. That has literally happened with, with Matt King. 
He's bought blokes for put them on twenty five thousand dollar season contracts, and then the clubs in New South Wales pay four hundred thousand for him. He turns he can dead set turn wine into gold bars. How's that for analogy? Very good. Oh, look, he's amazing. He is the best coach in Australia, maybe, maybe ever? Question mark. No, he's, I'm removing the question mark. Yeah, I'll put a he full is. Stop there. He's amazing. Um, yeah, the, the the continued success. They never bottom out, as you say. Obviously, hats off to the recruiters, but as you say, I think it's just old bellyache just turning him into uh, superstars out of nothing. Yeah, it's absolutely. Astonishing to me every year. It doesn't matter which players go because they get poached left, right and centre. Uh, we still manage to be relevant. We still manage to be the best team in the year. So the best team in the competition, sorry. So Melbourne Storm is my second buying. Go yep. Storm. My next buying is not sport related. It's a life hack. Um, and I encourage anyone to give it a go. Basically, I, I was super sick of um, series voice the Australian accent on Siri. I think it's an Australian accent. I don't, I don't know what it is, but it annoyed the shit out of me. Um, so I went in and changed my Siri voice to Irish. So now my Siri has an Irish accent, and I can't tell you how much more relaxed I am whenever I need to go to Siri. Can I just give you a quick example here? Absolutely. Hey, Siri. What is male pattern baldness? Pattern hair loss, also known as androgenetic alopecia, is a hair loss condition that primarily affects the top and front of the scalp. Do you want me to keep reading? No, we're experts. We don't need we don't need any more. <laughs> do you want me to keep reading or do you want me to send your details to Mosh? <laughs> <laughs> but how good was that? Did that just instantly soothe? I thought... It had, I mean, it had a real Flynn and Hardigan like, yeah, start to yeah. it, but then it sort of got a little bit clearer, but... No, that's uh, that's, a, that's look again. That's just a life hack. That's just if you want to. And there's other accents there. I just personally found Irish to be the most um, soothing and easy on the ears. Easy on the earballs. So yeah, that's my uh, that's my third buying. I like that. My third and final buying is something that I've literally bought and I literally am going to continue buying, which is the first one out of these that is actually an item. Samboy chicken chips. In my opinion, the goat of chips. And I've had a lot of pushback. Yeah, hard disagree from me, but go on. I don't care. You can stick your disagree. Um, hard disagree, I said. Well, you can stick it. You can stick the hard disagree wherever you want. <laughs> I was obsessed with these chips as kids. And they just went like dormant. Like the, you know, like the way of the dinosaur and the dodo bird. And then just like Jurassic Park and Jurassic World. Mm-hmm. The chips came back. Instead of Dr. Henry Wu, it was IGA. <laughs> and I found an IGA in Brunswick, which seems to sell them. Shout out. Massive shout out to Brunswick IGA because I just purchased the last two chips, last two bags of Are they chips. that rare, are they? They are because, rightfully, I, keep, because right, I keep buying them. Rightfully so. I Every time say. I go there, I buy, I buy all of them. I just don't think chicken should be made into chips. I just think it's not the best flavour. You, you can do better. Salt and vinegar, original, instantly better. Sour cream, chives. I like all of those. Yeah. Well, look, it, uh, look, it's subjective, right? It is. As I said, art is subjective. Yeah. So is this opinion. It's divisive. 
but anyone who disagrees with it is also an idiot. So <laughs> that's my third and final buying. I'm going to jump in here and I'm going to go first with the Salian because I, wanna, I, I don't like looking at this guy's name and I don't know if it's because he's got seven kids and he wears glasses and he's a, he just irks me. I think I know who you're talking about, yeah. But my third one is the New South Wales Premier in Dominic Peratatet. Jeez, we've gone, we've gone hard politics, haven't yeah. we? Yeah, keep going though, I like it. I don't even think that's how it's pronounced and I don't want to know how it's pronounced. I'm selling him because he got absolutely wrecked by Nick Kyrgios yeah, I in saw a that. Sydney Kings uh, celebrity game. Yeah. So I'm selling, it, I'm selling it for two reasons. One... He's not a celebrity. What's he doing there? And I understand it's the NBL. And Australia's, Australia's uh, subjective opinion on what makes a celebrity is very different to the rest of the world. <laughs> he shouldn't be there. And two, if you've got seven kids, you have to be agile. There was no agility in his hips. There was no <laughs> athletic ability. And he was... You could tell he was one of those, you know, you see those corporate days where you see the guys who are trying way too hard. Yeah. He was one of those guys. And those guys are the worst people in the world. So I'm selling him. It's got nothing to do with politics. I think he's a knob. And I really enjoyed seeing my boy Nick Kyrgios just put him in an absolute uh, blender. Did you ever compete in a corporate games? Yes, and I took it way too seriously. So you're, those knobs. you're one of those guys. Yeah, but I have, I have athletic ability though. That's, that's what I'm saying is like, when I'm 40, so only in, in a few years, yep. like I'm obviously going to be one of those knobs, but I'm not right now. I'm just one of those guys who's competitive but has those glimpses of me. You're like, I could see him being good at that. I can see him doing badminton at Kitan in the 26 Commonwealth Games. Well, you will. Hmm. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm all about it. So there's my first one. Um, so I'm selling a... AFL slash VFL tradition that's been around since 1891. Um, the banner. No, I looked the banner. I haven't got any problem with the banner. G-squads. <laughs> um, and look, this has been in the news a little bit recently uh, through the likes of Eddie Maguire and whatnot, but it is the biggest no-brainer in footy, and it's the centre bounce, and it needs to go, and it needs to go ASAP. Um, the fact that it's still around boggles my mind, and I know it's, you know... The, the the traditionalists, I don't know who these traditionalists are. I don't know why they have so much power. But, you know, they kick and scream about it. I mean, you know, we don't use lace-up jumpers anymore. We don't do state of origin. The flick pass is dead. So I don't know why this tradition had to stay while those other traditions died. I think it just, like there was a perfect example in the Western Bulldogs Adelaide game where, you know, the bounce stuffed up and it cost a couple of extra seconds. That's one thing. Um, it's the only sport in the world that requires the officials to execute a skill, uh, which obviously puts off potential um, great umpires from from being umpires. You know, and we always lament the quality of umpiring, but if you took that away, surely instantly you're going to potentially attract a lot more people. Correct. And they talked about this on Triple M, where they said. Because the the quality of an umpire's bounce is actually viewed on or judged on their grand final merit. So there are... That's a nonsense. That is absolute nonsense. And I couldn't believe it when I heard that because I literally had the same thought once the guys on Triple M started talking about it. I've never, I've never once 
heard anyone say, geez, I'm really glad they bounced that. In saying that, there was one umpire during the Anzac game who was bouncing it sensationally. Like, and his good bounces were immaculate. But here's the problem is he was going at my opinion based on just a number that's come to my head, 63% clip of those were good. It's a complete waste of time. Yeah. It, the amount it, of time a game stops and starts at a centre bounce now, I think we've just become apathetic to it. Mm-hmm. We've, we've just become sort of a little bit brainwashed by you sort of bad bounce recall, bad bounce recall. It's stupid. Get it rid is. of it. I actually can't believe, and this is throwing it so far back, I can't believe it didn't go when Sean Wren did his ACL on that. Because remember how they used yeah, to Yeah, they have, used to have a little hub, a, a it, nub. Yeah, yeah, they used to have like that little plate or whatever. It's like a rubber nub. Yeah, and so he does. His, he did his ACL on it, and yeah. obviously they had to get rid of it. Well, they, well, they, yeah, they, they were half pregnant when they got rid of it everywhere except for the center mm. bounds. I just, yeah, it's they, yep. they, they knew then it was time to go, and they didn't, they didn't pull the trigger, but they need to now. No, that's a great one. Uh, sticking on the theme of AFL, my next one is medical subs playing their first ever game of AFL football. I hate this so much. And I've only seen a couple of uh, situations this year. I believe... Wanganine was Wanganine Malira or actual Wanganine. Yeah, I think maybe both. May have been both. You know, you see it. They're like, oh, yep, the family's come in. It's this great, you know, kind of a thing. And then they don't play. It's just... Yeah, it's it's not right. No, it's... if If you're saying... If you're saying, all right, this player is, we trust him enough. If there's an injury that happens two seconds into the game, we trust him to come on and play. Play him. Mm. Do not ruin. Do not ruin what is supposed to be a, a, a lifelong memory for him, a lifelong memory for his family. Yeah. It's also a really heartwarming story for your club and for your fans to get behind. There's nothing more than fans love as a club, especially a struggling club like a St Kilda. Obviously, they had a great start to this year, but historically they haven't had, um, you know, a lot to sort of uh, cheer about. This is going to cost me and put me in the doghouse as I keep going on this ramp, but don't do it. Yeah. Don't do it. If, if you don't want to, if, if he's not good enough to start, then don't make him the medical sub because that is just a shit, shit way to, to treat a player and ruin their sort of first game experience when you have the situation where most of the time they're probably not going to get on. Yeah, I, I strongly agree with that. And just a little on a similar, like same topic but different question, if you're a medical sub and you don't get on the ground, you currently get, still get, get given that game. You played a game of AFL football. Should that happen? No, no, no. That's, my, and that's my understanding is that they get the game, right? Yeah, correct. Yeah, I so, don't believe they should. No, that's a nonsense. If you don't yeah. touch the, if you don't step on the ground, then why you shouldn't be? That's you didn't play a game. Yeah, that's that's a great way to, that's a great way to look at it. And then, but if you look at it that way, I've probably lost about six or seven games from my under fourteen season at Greensboro when I played in the ones and sat on the bench for the whole game. Well, we'll have to go back to the record books and uh, we'll speak to Buddy's dad, see if he can <laughs> do something about it. Uh, but that's my second one. My second one, it's AFL related again. And look, this, I know we always lament rule changes and that, but I, this is a rule change I just think would be, it's a win-win. And it's basically, again, it's an old tradition. 
if you hit the post, one of the big uprights, you get a behind. My suggestion is if it hits the post and then goes in for a goal, it's a goal. All clear. If it hits the post and it goes through for a behind, it's a behind. If it hits the post and it comes back into play, it's play on. I like that. Now, you can just imagine also, one, we get rid of a lot of these contentious, the arc, oh, did it hit the yeah. post decisions? Because it doesn't matter. Did it go through for a goal or it didn't? It's, it's quite easy to tell. Mm-hmm. And then if it hits the post and comes back into play, it's imagine the chaos and just the excitement as everyone scrambles to either, either have another shot on goal or clear the defensive area. And it also stops teams from setting up their zone. Mm-hmm. Because if you set up your zone, it hits the post and comes back into play, the other team's just going to score a goal. I, I, I don't know. I'm big on it. I think Matthew Richardson might have might be on this train as well. And Richo G'day, I know you're a big fan mm-hmm. uh, of the refill. Him on the show. Um, but yeah, I just think of all the rule changes we do, I reckon that one it, it can only be seen as a positive. I like it. It's almost like a brainchild of the AFLX. Yeah, it's it's a. It feels AFLXy. <sighs> that that makes it sound shit. I actually think no, it's but I love AFLX. Yeah, and I love Zuper Dupers too. Yeah, <laughs> so do I. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm a big fan. Big fan of all three of those: the rule, the AFLX, and Zuper Dupers. Uh, I've got two. I went greedy, and mm. two things have irked me more than um, from a non-sports point of view. Have irked me a lot this week. I mentioned how I bought ice lattes year round. Well, guess what? <sighs> yep. I'm being punished for wanting to drink ice lattes. I went into a cafe this weekend mm. and I looked at the menu and the menu had a normal size latte at like five bucks. Yep. And then the ice latte, which was the same size as $6.50. Why am I being charged... Another dollar fifty. That is a supreme markup, by the way, for ice. Ice is frozen water. Water is free. Wouldn't there be more milk in an ice latte than your regular latte? I'm not sure. I'm not going to comment on that because I don't really know. I reckon that my my first reaction was, well, there's more milk. There's more cow. There's more cow juice in an ice latte. I I, I reckon. I don't think so. Okay. So I'm pretty pissed off. I'm not even going to name that. I'm not, I refuse to go back to that cafe. Wow. I refuse to go to a cafe that does that. Like what? I should not be punished for being progressive because ice lattes are for the progressive people. The younger, with a hint of, with a, with a splash of, what do you have? A splash of vanilla. Oh God. But I'm not even paying for that. Like I throw the splash in when I get home. So I shouldn't have I shouldn't have to pay so you're a self splasher. I'm a self splasher. A dollar fifty is ridiculous. Yeah, if it's look, fifty cents, sure. I'll probably just do it because I don't like to make a scene. But a dollar fifty, like that's I, I can almost go to the Mc, the McDonald's and get something off the McValue picks menu. Maybe you might have to. Yeah, so that that was one. The last the last one I'm gonna I'll I'll leave, but I'm not sure you'll see this coming. Uh, well, my last one's not sport-related either. Mine Now, this is, as the kids say, I-Y-K-Y-K. If you know, you know. Um, sesame seeds. I hate them. What? I fucking hate sesame seeds. Now, all I do is eat sesame seed to the, bagels. To the, see, you're, that's disgusting. To, 
to a lot of people that you, know, you can't taste sesame seeds and so they're just something that you just live with and you just get get by and whatever sesame seeds just a part of the deal bait goods deal but when you when you can taste them like I can and they taste rubbish little sprinkles of shit on your bloody wholemeal rolls or your bagels or whatever or in your bloody bagels uh in my it, ice latte oh I hate sesame seeds they taste disgusting Get them off. Oh, I'll take I don't it. want them. Poppy seeds are okay. You have your little oh poppy seeds. God. But your sesame seeds, they are disgusting. I'm constantly with the knife out, scraping off fucking sesame seeds off my rolls. I've been doing it ever since I could remember. I'm selling sesame seeds. Not needed. And, you know, I'm probably saving bakers the heartache of doing the little um, sesame seed bay. You know, the little salt bay sort of style. I, I assume that's how they put them on, but no, nah, no good. Get rid of them. Okay, question. You have two children mm. of a young age. Yep. Do you remember the last time you told one of them, said, stop it, you're being silly, you're being a child, <laughs> grow up? Uh, it was probably within the last 24 hours, yeah. Yeah. Stop it, you're being <laughs> a child, grow up. That is but, embarrassing for a grown man. No. No, as I said, opinion. IYKYK, my friend, because it's just an absolute inconvenience. Yeah, well, you know. your 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 opinion has inconvenienced my brain. <laughs> um, so, look, there'll be people out there. Look, the majority won't know, but there'll be some. There'll be a few of our listeners who go, "Yes, preach!" Finally, yeah, my man. And I reckon this could either sway them to turn the episode off. No, they'll stick or fat. To stick fat, you sesame seed haters. I hope they stick fat after this because the last thing I'm selling is the most iconic town in Australia known as Summer Bay. Right, okay. It's, it's time. It's been time for a long time for a home and away to go away permanently. We've lost neighbours, mm. which was much more diversive, much more, uh, had a lot more depth in the story. Sure. And had a lot more international viewership. Mm-hmm. If we lose in Ramsey Street, there is no way that the shit that they're putting out on Home and Away, which the ads I've had to watch all week about a poker show that's been run down at the same diner that Alf got electrocuted in or whatever, like 25 years ago. Yeah. And it's going to be this massive heist or whatever. Get fucked. I'm, Look, there's, it's... It's done. It ran its race so long ago. It's not funny. I can uh, look. I assume I've never watched it. Either I've have never I. Watched it. <laughs> Either have I. And I don't. But no. But, but here's the thing. But you see the promos, obviously. I don't want to see them. I know. Yeah. But and they, I, I, I want it gone. That's why I hate Keith Urban. Is like, he I'll, on there? I'll, was I'll, he? No, he's on the Voice. But I'll never watch the Voice. Imagine Keith Urban in Summer Bay. I would. Uh, That'd be. An, I'd like to watch you watch that. Uh, here's 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 an absolute nightmare scenario for me. Like full nightmare. I'm not even sure what would happen to me. Keith Urban is at the bakery in Summer Bay, and he's picked up a bagel, and he's got his knife and he's flicking off the sesame seeds, <laughs> and he's acting like a he's acting like a toddler, throwing a tantrum because there's sesame seeds on his bagel. And I would, I'd buy his album if I saw that. <laughs> I'd buy the album just so I <laughs> could just so I could like do the like the fling. You know when you you fling yeah, like the it's album. an aggressive like wrist still bang. Yeah. Yeah, I get you. But Home and Away has got to go. Like it's I mean Good song though. 
Home and away. You know we belong together. Is that is that how it starts? I thought it was just literally one line. No, I'm pretty. Is it? I'm pretty sure that's it. Isn't that the song for All Saints? Shout out to Georgie Parker. <laughs> Which of, one of the of the of the of the non of the country practice of variety? the country practice variety? Are we getting into a, a Australian shows rabbit hole? Which I love, but maybe not for this. Song. No, absolutely not. Uh, did you have one more? Or was no, that, that it? was that was it. Oh, oh, my my little toddler tantrum was uh, was enough. Was enough. Well, there you go. Uh, whether this is anyone's segment or not, <laughs> once again, no one lets me know. So if you don't let me know, then we'll just keep doing it. So that is the stock market for this episode, and probably a good time to send it over to Adam Cox from Sportsbet, who has jumped on the episode today to have a chat to us about the NBA playoffs and everything. That's happening in the NBA world at the moment. Yes. It's my pleasure now to welcome on one of the greatest NBA minds Australia has to offer and a former Whittlesea Pacers legend, sports bets, Adam Cox. Adam, how are you tonight, mate? Good, thanks, mate. I think they'd refute the legend status at, at Whittlesea. I was more of a uh, role player, but I'll take it. I'm a tyre pumper, not a tyre deflator. <laughs> I like that. I need one of those. Yeah. Look, mate, we've got you on here because, as I said, you're one of the best NBA minds in Australia, and I'm one of the worst. So I can't really talk about this, so we're going to get you to. First off, I'm going to ask you a really simple question. What is wrong with Ben Simmons and the Brooklyn Nets? You know, I was thinking about Ben Simmons today, and like all likelihood is he, he probably has a bad back, right? And everyone's, you know, getting on top of him for not playing. But, I mean, you know, he quit, he quit on Philly, basically. He hasn't played, you know, in a long time. I didn't think he'd play this the game four. Like people are giving him heaps for not playing this game, but he hasn't played all season. So if you look at any other athlete, like they haven't played all year, they're not going to come back for a one game in a playoff series when you're down three nil. So I, I kind of give him, you know, a reprieve for that. But um, yeah, he's kind of put this notion on himself now that he that he's a bit, I guess, soft in terms. You know, I don't like using that word too much, but um, you know, that's something he's going to have to deal with and. You know, Brooklyn just couldn't get their stuff together all season. Like the talents there, you know, Kyrie even admitted yesterday that he, um, you know, he was a big disruption to the team, you know, not being able to play that much throughout the year. And then, you know, come playoffs, they just couldn't get their sync together and Kevin Durant could again going and their, their defense is just not up to par. And that's, that's why all the pressure for Ben to come back and play was that he could come in and make an impact on the defensive end because they just didn't have good enough defenders to, um, to stop Boston, unfortunately. So Kyrie admitted that he was a distraction. Now, did he was that upon reflection of taking Sage to the Boston Garden? Um, <laughs> or was that just a completely unrelated incident to that where he sort of said, maybe I've done a little too much here? Yeah, I, he was referring to not getting the vaccine. Like, I don't think he regretted not getting it, but he obviously didn't play most of the season because he couldn't play home games. Um but then I don't know if you you were aware, but he was fasting throughout the playoffs. So I, there was a video going around today of him walking in into the stadium, and he just he literally looked like he. I said to a friend of mine, he looks like he hasn't eaten, which he obviously hasn't in days. But he just didn't look interested at all, um, which was never a good sign going into a game four down three zip. He's um he's a weird cat, but geez, I mean, if he's going to fast every playoffs, you just get rid of him, right? Ah, uh, yeah. There was one other player that fasted all the time. Um, I can't remember who it is off the top of my head, but baby Davis. <laughs> no, definitely not baby Davis. 
It was funny though, Curry put out his allegiance today, you know, they were asking if he was going to re-sign. And he said, you know, with me and Kevin here, you know, we can help the front office make decisions and take the club forward. So he's kind of just, he lives in this fantasy land. As he said, he's a weird cat. Um, I mean, Durant could have picked probably someone better to, to stick with in the long run. But yeah, he's, he's a strange unit. Yeah. Now, um, Rookie of the Year was a bit of an upset. Um, Scotty Barnes winning over Evan Mobley, who uh, I spruced on here a few weeks ago. Um, as, as cannot lose, basically. But yeah, yeah, put your house on it. Um, so <laughs> why did Scotty Barnes win over Evan Mobley? He won because the vote shouldn't be done in the media. Um, like Mobley, I think, should have won. Scotty Barnes is a fantastic player, don't get me wrong. He's going to be an absolute jet. Um, and he fits that Toronto lineup so good. But, you know, Josh Giddy didn't even get a vote. I think he won Rookie of the Month three times. Yeah. And he did poll one vote in Rookie of the Year, which is absurd. Um, and I'm not just saying that, you know, we we're, we're, you know, we're happy to lay him all season because, you know, we didn't think he was going to win. But not to get a vote. Is yeah, if you win the Western Conference Rookie of the Month multiple times, you should at least get one vote, you would think. Oh, just I couldn't believe it when I saw it. Um, it but we always thought... Five. It was yeah. four out of the five. I read a tweet this morning. Four out of the five in terms of what? That didn't give him a vote. He won Rookie of the Month. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, and not one vote, which is, yeah. But, I mean, yeah, we, we thought it was going to come down to Scotty Barnes and, and Mobley. I thought Mobley had the edge. I thought he had a much better season consistently. But then you always put in the recency bias, right? Like Mobley got injured a little bit. Scotty Barnes was always playing. You know, Pascal and Freddie Van Vliet got injured. So he was obviously getting more of a role towards the end of the season and and the media people just tend to go that way. You know, it's it's what have you done for me lately rather than looking over all 82 games, which again, you know, some voters just shouldn't have shouldn't have that right to vote in such big awards, I don't think, because, you know, they've got their favourites as we all do um, and they're not taking into account the whole season like they should be. Do you think it was a ploy to get me back interested in the Toronto Raptors since I jumped off the bandwagon after they won the championship? It feels like that to me. Yeah, you ju- you jumped off at the wrong time. Well, I mean, you jumped on at the right time. I jumped on in the playoff race <laughs> and then jumped off when the trophy was handed to another team. Yeah. Um, I love Toronto. I love watching them. They're just a bunch of, you know, six, six plus guys, except for Freddie. And, um, you know, that's, they've got Pascal and Booch and all those guys, like, apart from Freddie, Ben Fleet and, um, and their shooting guard, Gary Trent. They're all like big guys that just rebound and body you up and are long and they can switch everything on defense. We're going to talk, we're going to talk about Philly. What is wrong with them in terms of is it a Doc Rivers problem? Is it a is Harden a myth in the playoffs? Um, let me just read you this quote I found from Joel Embiid. Tell me which play he's talking about here. I've been saying he needs to be more aggressive and he needs to be himself. That's not really my job. That's probably on the coach to talk to him and tell him to take more shots. So I'm assuming that would be Harden. Harden, but you could almost say it was Ben Simmons, right, a year ago. Pretty much, yeah. So is is Joel Embiid the problem? Like, what's the problem there? Uh, No, I don't think Embiid's the problem. Um, He'd obviously be like a semi-difficult guy to get along with, I think, in terms of a chemistry thing, but I don't think he's the problem. I don't. I think Doc Rivers has skated a long, a long time as being perceived as one of the all-time great coaches when he, he's probably not, um, in my opinion. 
Like he has trouble when he comes up against good coaches, matchup wise, strategic wise. You know, you look at guys like Ty Lu, who are just really good on the bounce, um, making good decisions in games and in playoff series. And I don't think Doc Rivers has that. And as much as he spruits himself as a player management, I mean, I just when he when he got that, you know, acclaim as being such a good manager of the players, like he had Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce and Ray Allen. You know, he had good vets there that could kind of do the job for him. Yeah. And you look at the Clippers teams and, you know, this team, I just, yeah, I, I think I think he's very overrated as a head coach. He's obviously very good, but, you know, I think people rate him too highly. And, you know, the only thing he doesn't have on his resume is probably a 3-0 blown lead. So, you know, that might be coming his way. But so right now... Like he's um, always the bridesmaid, never the bride, that kind of coach who just never just hasn't quite got it to get anyone to a championship. Yeah, I think that's right. Like, he, he got the chip with Boston, but, you know, they probably should have won more. You know, obviously they had LeBron to deal with. But um, right now, like, Harden, I've never been a big fan of James Harden. Um, like, he's a very good player individually, but team-wise, and when it comes to playoffs, when you're in a seven-game series, everything locks up, everything gets tighter, and he just doesn't have that drive and that mentality to carry a team to a championship, which is you know, kind of what Embiid needs. And I was saying today to someone that Embiid's need, he needs to be Butler. Like if that Kawhi shot didn't go in in that playoffs a few years back, like Kawhi kind of killed Philly because then, you know, they had the thing with Butler and he left and they traded him and then Simmons yeah. on the way out. Um, but yeah, they're in trouble because Embiid can't really catch the ball. He's He's got ligament trouble in his thumb, which he needs surgery on so he's playing through. But he had trouble, you know, really getting a grip of the ball today even. Um, and Harden just, he's not fitting into that team very well at all. And I don't think they're well coached, which can kind of get you away with things in playoff series. I don't think they have that. So even if they do pass Toronto, I think they're going to struggle uh, going forward. So in um, the NHL and the NFL, and I'm not sure about baseball, Philly fans are pretty brutal. Uh, is that a common theme with the 76ers too? Are they just brutal people? So yeah. I can imagine it would probably be a difficult place for someone to fit in if they're not well-liked or they don't show a ton of heart. Oh, yeah. They were um, booing their team today. You know, they were down at halftime around 16, something like that, and they are booing them, and they're up 3-1 in the series. I like. I actually like that. I'm okay yeah. with that, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be a tough environment. And, like, someone like, you know, Ben Simmons, you know, probably not strong mentally. I don't know him personally, but you know, that's the perception of him right now. He'd probably struggle in a in a in a team like that. Um so he wouldn't be having his summer break at Philly. No, no, definitely not. It'll be interesting when he does eventually. He went back there on the bench when Brooklyn played him towards the end of the season and popped it a bit, but he's never played, obviously. Yeah, that'll be that'll be amazing when that happens. That's gonna be brutal when he comes back there and I'm sure Embiid will will do something in that game um to get under his skin, but yeah, uh, yeah. Philly, Philly fans are, are passionate. They're like Knicks, Knicks fans, though. In a, in a sense, I don't know if you've been to a Knicks game, but they're the same. You know, they're so passionate, and if you're playing badly, they're going to let you know about it. Like they brewed Julius Randle this year after he won, you know, most improved, and took them to their first playoffs in a while last year. You know, it's what have you done for me lately type stuff. Yeah, it is. Uh, speaking of lately, Devin Booker uh, went down to a uh, hamstring injury recently. The Suns were the red hot favorite. Um, are they are they gone? Are they cast? What's the uh, 
what's the diagnosis, doctor? Yeah, I don't. Did they officially say how long he was going to be out I think for? It's two to three weeks. I yes. guessed. And I'm going to say yeah, three to four. Yeah, so you're probably adding a week. So you're probably three to four. Um, they've got their hands full with the Pelicans um, at the moment. You know, they've got Chris Paul, obviously, but, you know, he was just shut down last game, you know, by Herb Jones and some other long guys that they've got and pests um, that come off the bench and just annoy people. Yeah, so they've, they've got their defenders there and then they've got, you know, Ingram and CJ McCollum who played really well and Valentinus actually showed up um, last game. So like they're gonna like it's gonna be tough to get past the Pelicans. Surprisingly, a team that doesn't even have a 500 record throughout the season. But the trade for CJ McCollum obviously went well for them. And the problem with Phoenix is they just don't have without Booker a lot of guys that can get their own shot. Like everything runs through through Chris Paul. Um, he was you know hand feeding Aiton for the start of you know the last two games and. Bridges is a great defender, knockdown shooter. Crowder, great defender, knockdown shooter. Like the, the team's built around Devin Booker being the you know the guy that can do things off the dribble and get his own points and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, it's going to be a stretch. And then if they win that, they're probably going to face Dallas. You know, with Luca back, um, which again will be another tough challenge because Dallas are a far better defensive team than New Orleans are. So they're in trouble. It's funny how just you know one little injury can can spiral the whole season after 82 games, but yeah. he's book is going to have to come back as quickly as possible and at full strength. Um, otherwise, yeah, that, that matchup in the next round, whether it's Dallas or Utah, probably Dallas, Utah, a bit of a rabble at the moment, but it's going to be tough. A uh, quick one, because I can't, I can't let you just mention the Mavs and just move on from it because you are a uh, Mavs fan for life. I am a uh, very quick question. At the end of their careers, who's going to be better, Dirk or Luca? Uh, like Luca will be, but Dirk was Dirk's the guy. Like no one's ever going to put anyone above Dirk, no matter how good they are, because he pretty much made the franchise. And Luca has um, to win a chip to be at least as good. I would have thought he does, and an MVP, and the Finals MVP. That's just a yeah. tie, Dirk Nowitzki. You know, Dirk's what seventh all time in, in scoring, I think. Um, yeah, like. Luke is obviously the more skilled player. You know, he's got everything. He's got the step backs. He's got the drives. He's strong. He can do all that stuff. But Dirk was just such a such a change, you know, just changed the way NBA's played. And he carried that franchise for so long and get, gave him the title. And, yeah, no one's ever going to put Luke above Dirk. But Luke is definitely the better player. There was... There was just something about seeing Dirk kind of waddle up the court with like what looked like two bung knees <laughs> and then unathletically just shoot this rainbow three that never looked like missing. I think I prefer that to uh, athletically gifted players. Yeah, I'm the same. Like, you know, Dirk, Zach Randolph, I love all those guys that just, just they're skilled and they, they use what they've got to their advantage. And, you know, it's just Dirk. Dirk, Dirk's like one of us. He he said, you know, when they did the top 75 players this year, he walked out. He could barely walk. And he said, you know, I played one or two seasons longer than I should have. And I was thinking that's like every person that plays domestic sport is hanging around two years longer than next should. Um, but he's Wednesday, trying to walk around Wednesday there. nights at the Civic Centre. I just can't get enough. <laughs> exactly. You're playing, playing longer than you should and your body will kill you for it later on or right now. Um, but, yeah, those kind of guys... You know, they just, I'm the same. They just, I prefer to watch them. And that's probably why I'm not a big fan of James Harden. He's got all the 
individual moves, but he just doesn't, you know, work as a team. No one seems to like him. You know, he, he cracks the sads when something doesn't go his way. He just doesn't, he doesn't have that, that mentality that I like watching. That's just a personal preference thing. So um, looking forward and forecasting to the finals, um, and as you say, one injury can just change everything. Well, well where's your head at, at the moment? Uh, Boston are just really good. And don't let a friend of mine, Luke, see this podcast because he's been saying it since, you know, probably February. Um, they're just really good in the East. They're really good defensively. They're just balanced offensively. They don't really have, like, Tatum's such a great player at his age. But, you know, they've still got Brown and Marcus Smart all of a sudden knows how to shoot. Um, Horford's smart. You know, they can run, you know, quick offenses through him if they need to. Um, and no one in the East, you know, really stands out. Like Miami, as good as they are, I don't think they stack up against Boston. Philly, you know, we know what's going on there with Harden. Toronto aren't good enough to beat Boston. Uh, Brooklyn's obviously out. So, yeah, Boston in the East and the West, yeah, all depends on on health at the moment. Um, you know, Phoenix are obviously the best team in the league when Booker's playing, but without him, like how much do they drop off? Like, is he going to be back for the second half of next round? You know, can they do what Dallas did and kind of go up 2-1 without him and then he comes back and, and they can kind of roll through? But, yeah, I really like Boston. I, with with an unhealthy Booker, I like Boston. And with Booker healthy, I like Phoenix. But, you know, Dallas will give Phoenix trouble if they meet early on without Booker just because their defense is – I think they had the number two defense in the second half of the season. They're really hard to score against. And as I said, without that guy that creates, you know, he's a top five scorer, top 10 scorer in the NBA. Without him, it's going to be a battle with Luca on the other end. So um, I think Dallas, you know, I don't want to say it because I'm a fan of him, but I think they can sneak into the, the conference finals depending on Booker's health. Your eyes are, light up every crazy. time you mention Dallas or Luca. Well, the, the only time Dallas has won the championship, I thought we were no chance. And we ended up, you know, sweeping the Lakers and, doing all that stuff back in the day. So I'm kind of half-hearting, thinking that we're going to do the same thing. Um, and the other side, like Memphis, Minnesota is a great series for, for the average fan. Like it's quick, quicker pace and it's just, you know, guys that haven't been there before really. Um, it's it's pretty cool. It's exciting to watch those guys. And every time you get to watch John Morant, it's just super fun. So, um, and I, like, I mean, and Golden State's the other one, I suppose. Yeah, Golden State's the other one. Um, I was just about to jump to. They're obviously, they'll take care of Denver. They'll probably take care of Memphis and Minnesota. Again, that'll be a fun series if they play Memphis, like John Morant, Steph Curry, you know, Draymond Green will get his mix in there. Um, but yeah, they look really good with Jordan Poole. Just, you know, everyone was like, oh, Clay's got to come back and they're going to have Poole on the bench. But, you know, Poole's probably the better player right now than Clay Thompson. So, They've got decisions to make on their lineups and minutes and things like that, but they're so deep. Um, yeah, that I think they'll win the West, maybe play Dallas in the conference finals. They should handle Dallas pretty easy. And then, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm tipping a Boston-Golden State um, finals. Is Clay poopy pants about the pool being a potentially better player than him at this point in his career? I don't know. He's hard to read, right? He's just kind of it, that guy. It looks like he's poopy pantsing. Yeah, but he's always like that. He's he never really. I don't know. He just he's always got the same facial expression kind of thing. I don't think he'd be overly thrilled about it. But if it wins him another championship, and he's still getting paid a buttload of money, so 
I don't think it concerned him too much. Uh, last one for me. You mentioned Jar Morant, who won the Comeback Player of the Year. Most now, I don't follow. I don't follow basketball. I've, I've made that well known. How did? How was he that bad last year? Or was he injured? Where this year they viewed him as a comeback player because that's the only way I can think of it. Or was he no, just so awful? The award's most improved. It's not comeback, so you don't have to be injured. <laughs> Good <start. laughs> to come back and do it. <laughs> <laughs> the comeback award that least, that'd be a great one. Um, no, so the most improved. I guess he won it because he was the first time All Star this year. So that that was probably the, the first box ticking exercise was to go from not being an all-star to being an all-star starter, like he was in the starting five. Um, and he was top five MVP for most of the season and he probably wasn't top 20 last season. So he's made that big jump. But the argument's always, do you give it to someone younger, like, you know, someone that can... Well, he, know, was, like, he was um, very keen to give it to Desmond Bain, wasn't he? Like, he obviously, in his mind, thought Bain... I don't know, he's probably just been a, a good bloke and maybe he thinks he's a bit too cool for the most improved, but... Um, it was interesting that he was so, um, you know, willing to share it with him. Yeah, he gave him the award I saw today on, on Twitter. Yeah. It kind of has that vibe where it's like, you know, I don't want this. You know, I'm, I'm better than this kind of yeah. thing. Yeah, I think And, so. like, he was top five MVP for most of the season, so he's kind of got the right to do that, I guess. Um, it's an interesting award. For me, I'd much rather give it to a younger guy. Like, John Rand's still young, but someone like a Desmond Bain or a Jordan Poole. Like, Jordan Poole's a perfect example of that award. Um, but, you know, I backed John Morant to my own horn here. I actually got tipped by a friend of mine um, at the start of the season because the way they vote on the award just lined up for John Morant. You know, we said if he can make the all-star team, if he can have a good season, if Memphis have a good season, which we thought they would, then they'll have to give him the award because that's how they've done it in the past. Yeah. So they're kind of stuck in this historical thing where this is what fits the criteria where a lot of people think, it should go to like Jordan Poole's, Desmond Baines, guys that go from 12 points a game to 20 points a game rather from 20 to 30 kind of thing. Adam, thank you very much. You're an incredibly intelligent man. I'm, I apologize for getting the award wrong. Um, there's so many <laughs> there's so many award names that I just don't really care or have the time to look it up. But thank you very much. I hope your Mavs win. Um, and we will definitely get you back on when the finals start and you can preview the final for us because you did an absolutely sensational job. Yeah, thanks, mate. Um, I'm happy to come on and talk NBA anytime. Um. All right, let's end, let's end the episode with a little bit of a very fun discussion point. Best sporting nicknames. Yeah, I love this. We all love nicknames. Yep. So I thought it'd be a great little, uh, great little piece to put together our personal favorite nicknames, and then obviously we'll we'll throw it out to the listeners to they have a difference of opinion if they like. So yeah, ones, ones that you've heard that we haven't mentioned, please send them through because um, yeah, we, we do love a good nickname. Yeah, maybe we could even do something like nickname of the week, like a new nickname that we see from an obscure player. Or we maybe, yeah, or we christen someone with a new nickname. Yep, absolutely. Um, did you want to start? Yep, so look, I love physical-based nicknames, like, you know, clock for a guy with one arm shorter than the other or double for someone whose head is double the normal size, whatever it might be. So the first one I love is um, Nick Blakey from the Swans, whose nickname is Lizard. Yeah, and I've it called is called in that several times, and it's because he looks like a reptile, like a lizard. Um, and I just can't help but think of his of his mum 
Like she's, you know, carried him for nine months, given birth, raised him, and everyone calls your son a lizard because he looks like a reptile. Like that is wonderful. Yeah, not ideal. My one's very. My first one's very simple, and I full preference. This is my. I'm doing this from. These are my top ten. Okay, yeah. So I'm going from ten to. Okay, one. great. So uh, coming at number ten, very simple. Stiffy John Cock. <laughs> Just the most reliable, sturdy yep. halfbacker that you can get. Yep. Loved me some Stiffy, despite the fact that he played for the um, Crosstown Crows. Rivals. Yep. Speaking of Adelaide Crows, my next one is Rory Laird, whose nickname is The Desk, because he is short and wide. <laughs> that is uh, that is that is silly. Um, my next one. Now, everyone in the world, whether you're a hockey fan or not, knows Wayne Gretzky. Yep. Known as the great one. Yep. But did you know he had a brother nope. that played in the NHL as well? No, I did not. I think he scored about two goals and had nine points. Okay. His name was Brent Gretzky. His nickname was The Other One. <laughs> <laughs> so that's number nine for me. Oh, brutal. Um, so this one is uh, a nickname for the same affliction. So Brett Ebert, uh, who used to play for your... Your mob, Port Adelaide, uh, his nickname was Megahead because he had a giant scone. It and was if you, disgracefully large. Yeah, which is great. And there's another guy called Matthew Schur, or S-H-I-R, Schur, I'm going to say, mm-hmm. who uh, also played for Adelaide. He was actually picked up uh, as a rookie by Richmond and he had a huge head and his nickname at Richmond was Swiss Ball Head. There you go. My next one is probably the scariest dude I think, uh, of all time in the NHL in a, a man named Stu Grimson. Mm-hmm. And this isn't really funny. His nickname was the Grim Reaper. Grimson, <laughs> Grim Reaper. Yeah, It just goes so perfectly because he literally just used to just belt the suitcases through people. And, I mean, when you have a nickname like that and you're already a scary dude, it, it just it doesn't help. No. Well, actually, my next one's quite similar. There was a guy called Dave Granger. Used to play for Potter, laid in the SANFL. Mm-hmm. Yep, he was a good player. With him. Also a thug, and his nickname was Grave Danger. Really? Yep. There you go. How, how good is that? Just a line. That's perfect. It's just <laughs> symmetry. Yeah. As much symmetry as we're going to get. Dave Granger, Grave Danger, wonderful. Yeah, I like that. Uh, the next one is a soccer player. I've got two soccer player ones. Um, uh, a man named Fitz, Fitz Hall mm-hmm. uh, with the nickname of One Size. <laughs> Wonderful. That was very Very good. simple. My next one is a former NFL, I'm just going to say linebacker. If anyone checks this, then they've wasted their time. Reggie White, with the nickname The Minister of Defense. <laughs> I can't lie. I fucking love that nickname. That's great. That is great. You, to, to be called that, you must be A, a character, and B, yep. really good at what you do. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I liked that one. Uh, the next one for me is, um, I think he was a hockey player or it's baseball. Oh, you have to, excuse me, it's one of those two. Uh, Mark Zepchinski, uh, spelled R-Z-E-P-C-Z-Y-N-S-K-I, whose nickname was Scrabble. He's a baseball player. Yeah, okay. Before I even got that out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
God, that uh, is good. Yeah. That's good gear. I like that. Uh, um, my next one, one of my favourite cricketers of all time, I'm sure, is one of yours too, uh, Shoal Bakhtar. Yeah. Just an absolute an absolute joy to watch, regardless of whether you he was playing against Australia or not. His nickname, the Raul Pindi Express, just... Yeah, that's never... Uh, one of the most best-suited nicknames ever. Like, there's no one that actually fits a nickname better than that, in my opinion. That's just... It's perfect. It's simple, rolls off the tongue, and it looks good. Uh, my next one's Tom Roach, who is the son of Tiger legend Michael Roach. Michael Roach's nickname was Disco, and so Tom Roach's nickname was Blue Light. <laughs> This is silly. <laughs> this is really silly. Um, that's grouse. My next one, Mark Wall. Uh, he has got a, a bunch of nicknames, yeah. but this one's my favourite one. Obviously, his brother Steve, much better cricketer, probably a better – no, I'm not going to go there um, – better cricketer. And being the little brother, sometimes you get forgotten. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he was the forgotten war, so he had the – Nickname of Afghanistan. Wonderful. Uh, which I might get cancelled for, but... Uh, no, it, 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 is, it is commonly known as the Forgotten War in uh, history circles, so yeah. I don't think, it, I think it's fine. Yeah. If you want to cancel fine. me, cancel... It uh, is the defamation episode, so we'll see what happens. Uh, so this guy's a baseballer. I think he's a, it might have been a coach as well. Mike Hargrove. Uh, his nickname was the Human Raiden Delay. Human rain delay for the time he took between pitches. Yeah, he was brutal. And but what I love about that is it's very transferable to pretty much any sport. Like it is. Think of someone who takes ages to serve in tennis, whether it's Rafa or Joker or whoever. Um, when Rafa does it, it's, it's iconic though. Mm, true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you, you can you tick off everything. Yeah, it's entertaining. It it's, well, it's, of, it's but I'm like, I'm sure there's a cricketer who's taken ages to deliver a ball, or even like maybe even Ben Brown before the thirty second rule. Mm-hmm. Um, in AFL. But yeah, I love that one. The human rain delay. Yeah, no, that's a beautiful one. Uh, the next one, another NFL player, Ben Jarvis Green Ellis. Nicknamed the law firm. <laughs> okay. Literally just because his last name, just because his name sounds like a law firm <laughs> and that's why he gets called it. <laughs> and I, this guy doesn't play in the NFL anymore, but if you're an NFL fan, if anyone says Ben Jarvis Green Ellis, everyone just says the law firm. <laughs> Great. I fucking loved the law firm. That's I loved him when he played. He wasn't that great. But that's a great need, no. But it's a top tier. That's the, my third favourite in terms of... Uh, yeah, it's made the top three, so that's saying yeah. something. Um, my next one is the... Cle- uh, sorry, the... Sorry. My next one is the Boston Celtics centre, Robert Williams, and his nickname is Time Lord um, <laughs> because <laughs> when he got drafted, he missed his post-draft press conference. And then uh, when he was due to fly out to, pl- to his first training session at the Celtics, he missed his flight because he forgot his wallet. So when he did finally arrive at the Celtics, they called him Time Lord. Gee whiz. Uh, which Talk is great. About, talk about not getting it. <laughs> uh, number two, former uh, baseball player Fred McGriff, also known as the Crime Dog. Wow. <laughs> so a bit of a play on words for those people who don't understand that. Uh, Crime Dog McGruff. Yeah, I still don't understand that. I think it was just a TV show. Okay, yeah, right. Yeah, so it was a TV show, and I think it was, yeah, Crime Dog McGruff. So he's called Crime Dog. So he's called Crime Dog. 
and Wonderful. I love that. That is a great nickname. That's yeah. a that's, that's an a time. that's a when you hear that you're like, what a great country. Yeah, <laughs> what a country. Like, you're like what a country. Honestly, uh, my next one is a um, a. American football as well. Um, Rod Smart, and his nickname was He Hate Me. Do you know this one? <laughs> he had a – so he played in the XFL when that was trying to take off, and, yeah. it, and he had – they could have on the back of their uniform just words. It didn't have to be – so it could be nicknames, could be whatever. And he had He Hate Me on his because that was his nickname. And the reason why is because – I'll quote him here. Basically, my opponent is going to hate me. After I win, he's going to hate me. It is what it is. It's a saying I was saying when I did, when I'd feel something wasn't going my way. For example, I was on the squad in Vegas and coach was putting on other guys. I felt I'm better than them, you know. Hey, he hate me. See what I'm saying? The way I felt, I feel as if everyone hates me, from my mum to my dad and even my brothers and sisters. Everyone hates me. Number one, and maybe oh, I'm probably going to laugh saying it, but there's a former uh, soccer player played in the EPL, a great career. Named uh, Christian Daly, <laughs> with the nickname Parish Newsletter. <laughs> <laughs> that is the winner. That is really good. That is easily that is perfect. The best. Uh, what a way to finish! So, if you have one nickname, it doesn't have to be an athlete; can be absolutely anyone. Yeah, yeah. The more obscure, the better. The better. The funnier, the better. Obviously, but, absolutely. Yeah. Obviously, keep in mind that it is a family-friendly show. Yeah, please, please send it through. We'll share the best ones the next episode. But uh, I don't know if you had anything else before we wrap this up. No, shop early, beat the rush. Yep. Uh, one thing you do consistently, it's shopping early. If it's one thing I do, it's I uh, don't really try and leave the house. So uh, thank you again for coming, Tim. Always a pleasure, never a chore, and we'll uh, catch up for another chat in the next little while. Thanks, mate. You guys ready to do this? Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, fans around the world. We welcome you to this historic event. Historic because... We've seen boys become men, men become leaders, and leaders become legends.